everybody. Happy Tuesday and welcome back for another episode of Great Quarter Gals. I'm Kelly Dix here with Grace Sharkey. Great as always to be here on our Tuesdays, Grace. I love sharing my Tuesday afternoons with you. Yeah, I, this is a great episode that we have ahead of us. So we're going to have like a lot of fun today. And um, it's been a while since we've had one of these like kind of goofy episodes. So I'm I'm very excited for it and happy to be here with you, of course. I'm absolutely thrilled for a topic of discussion today. We're talking about the power of girl math. And maybe maybe just for today, for our episode, we should call it gal math because, you know, great quarter gals. But we're going to dig right into it because it's it's a trend going on on TikTok right now where people break down their purchasing or justify their purchases, both on luxury and non-luxury goods, by using something called girl math, right? And we'll, we'll share some examples of what this means. But it lends itself to a really interesting discussion about female purchasing power and spending versus savings, a little bit of gender disparity, and kind of all the ways that I think both patriarchy and capitalism like intersect, right? So we're going to dig into this. But first, let's talk a little bit about our favorite examples of girl math. So girl math is when you do some financial finagling to make your purchases fit. So what have you recently girl mathed your way into? Uh, I will say I think I girl math every single day, to be very honest with you. We'll go over some of the classic examples, a few that uh, I saw you put down that are absolute truths. Uh, but I I'll show, show you one of my favorite girl math uh, purchases I made recently. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to Beyonce concerts and we could girl math those all day, but we will. Um, and I, I decided, OK, I need a pair of shoes. Right. So for everyone here, I got these wonderful Betsy Johnson uh, booties, which, if you can see, are just a sparkly, sparkly mess. Uh, I know that Beyonce probably saw them and enjoyed them. That should make it free from there. But we'll avoid that for now. So. I will say I, these were, I want to say, $160. Now, uh, we're going to girl math this down to pretty much free. Uh, from $160, I did use Afterpay. So the way that I look at buy now, pay later, and that's just 70% discount. I mean, it's it's just like any subscription. Once it's in there, it's in the formula, and it's taken out of my account without me realizing it's essentially free. So we're knocking this all the way down to from 160 down to $40, which is $40 for these babies. That's a steal. Now I'm going to even take it down from there because I'm going to wear them at least twice. So we're taking that 40 down to 20 per a aware at the very least. I didn't throw F3 in there because I will take these to F3, but uh, we're going to, I'm going to two Beyonce concerts. So we're going to split that down to 20 and let's be honest. You can't honestly leave your house these days without spending at least $20. So for me, $20 is basically free. So yeah, I got these for a steal. So uh, that's the girl map behind this free pair of uh, uh, Betsy Johnson boonies. I love that. And that is the classic perfect example. And so girl math in, in its form basically takes it down exactly what Grace said. If you use a service where the money comes out of your account and then you don't see it come out of your account multiple times, basically free. That's like if you like load your money onto a Starbucks card and then you use that Starbucks card to pay for your coffee, basically free. Pay for something with a gift card, it's free. You pay for it in cash, doesn't matter. Money's already out of your bank account. <laughs> yeah, the Starbucks one really gets me. I can't tell you how many times I've loaded 40 bucks in there. I've been like uh, and bought like two Starbucks drinks a day and be like, I spent nothing. So uh, the Starbucks one, any type of app that you have to upload money into, again, once it's out of the account, it's basically free. Absolutely. So we all know I just got engaged about a month ago. So I am full in the throes of wedding planning right now. And I've got to say, I am girl mathing the absolute 
heck out of this wedding planning right now. So latest example, just bought my wedding dress over last weekend, last Friday, right? Okay, I spent a little bit of money, like 20 bucks to reserve an appointment at a bridal salon here in town that um, they were doing a sample sale. Cool, I tried on like 15, 20 dresses. Boom, found my dress. Guess how much? Uh, I'm sure you got it down to basically free, but I would... Uh, <laughs> less than 100? 299. 299 for a wedding. Oh. So that's we, basically free, exactly, especially in wedding dress land, because let me tell you, this stuff is not cheap. So I love this. I love this. I think it's hilarious. If you guys have examples of girl math that you use in your regular life, let us know in the comments, tag us on social media, because we want to hear the ways that you use some creative ingenuity to save a buck or two or just justify the money that you don't save. But Grace, as I mentioned, this kind of leads itself into a very interesting conversation about female purchasing power because it's all arose with the discussion between or around how Taylor Swift and Beyonce's concerts are really providing this stimulus to the economy that if we didn't have, necessarily wouldn't see as much discretionary spending. Think concert tickets, think sparkly booties, friendship bracelets, outfits, travel, dining, all of those things being spent for two female powerhouse artists. But it really raises this very interesting topic about discretionary spending and how much of that comes from a woman's side. Uh, exactly. And I think as we start to see, especially more women a single longer, right, uh, like looking to get married later in their in their lives, uh, we're going to see more and more of this. And uh, what's interesting, I want to remind everyone before we dive into a lot of these statistics Women in general have not been able to even get credit cards for less than 50 years. It was in 1974. Yeah, the Equal Credit Opportunity Act was passed. And we could finally get cards and start really being financially uh, responsible for ourselves without our husband's signature. So imagine being a single female during those days. So uh, have to hang out with dad pretty much all day long. Now, uh, since then, right, the economy has boosted. Women in particular, by 2028, are estimated to have about our own 75% of discretionary uh, spending. Uh, over 80% of purchases or purchase influences are made by women, right? And I and I truly believe that's us girl mathing our significant others as part of that as well. Uh, women have actually make up 91% of new home purchases, especially single women as well. I've really grown that statistic. Uh, and uh, let's talk about all the moms out there because I know we've got a lot of them too. This is a really interesting stat I got out of Forbes. 70% of U.S. mothers can expect to be the primary financial providers before those beautiful, beautiful children even get to the age of 18. So listen, uh, women aren't going anywhere by 2030. Uh, according to McKinsey studies, U.S. women are going to control about $11 trillion in assets. Uh, or no, that's now we control 11 trillion in assets. It should be 30 trillion by 2030. So, uh, listen, if you're not, uh, marketing or at least even making products towards women, uh, then you're missing out on a very, very large growing market. Absolutely. A huge demographic. There's some more interesting stats that we can pull out of the New York Times that actually prove a little bit of smartness behind girl math, right? New York Times says that 65% of financial articles in women's magazines categorize women as excessive spenders. That's absolutely something that I think is 100% true. Women are always stereotyped as spending excessive money, having this amount of excessive debt or frivolous shoppers, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact of it is, is that men actually tend to carry a little more credit card debt 
and they actually tend to spend a little more frivolously. This is interesting because men's magazines, men's articles are targeted at men being financial winners or becoming a boss, right? An entrepreneur and making more money. Whereas we're targeted as women is constantly saying, oh, you know what? You spend too much anyways. But that fascinating thing is mostly because men typically do still make a little bit more money. And of course, the gender pay gap is something that is continuing to close right now, according to the Pew Research Center, that among all earners 18 and up, the gender pay gap currently sits at about 82 cents for a woman to a man's dollar. For earners about 25 to 34, it's 10 cents higher, 92 cents for a woman to a man's dollar. So we're seeing that gender gap close, albeit very slowly compared to where we've been in the last two decades or so. But this is also a contributing factor, right? Just because women don't necessarily spend as much money doesn't that necessarily mean that they don't have the capabilities to. Exactly. And uh, I know girl math, right, is, is funny. And that's why we all love talking about it because we well, we do it. And it's a way for us to, uh, you know, make sense of maybe it's some more luxury purchases. But at the end of the day, uh, I think it's also kind of satire at looking at how women are maybe a little bit more conscious of, of everything that goes into a purchase and how it's going to be used and where women might spend a little bit more on luxury goods. There's uh, a number of statistics out there that showcase men when they spend uh, usually a little bit more frivolously, it's towards things that aren't going to be used more than once. A lot of times meals, alcohol, uh, a night out, right? And that's where it's as funny as it is, I think there is some uh, some legitimacy behind where girl math does come from. I, I will use this as my final example of girl math when it comes to wedding planning. So of course, you know, there's this standard expectation that you have a different outfit for every event, yada, yada, bridal shower, rehearsal dinner, whatever, what have you. Obviously, shopping like that puts one a big strain on my wallet. It also puts a pretty big strain on the planet to go ahead and find these dresses or these outfits that are probably single use. So I'm going to pat myself on the back here. Every single thing I've purchased so far, we're talking like six outfits, has all been purchased secondhand and has been purchased for under $25 each piece. So that is true girl math right there. You know what? Saving your buck and also helping save the planet. Shopping secondhand when possible. A lot of guys, I'm sorry, they don't choose that option first, right? They won't go to the thrift store. They won't go and shop secondhand on like Poshmark or things like that. They won't hit up their friends for recyclable outfits. It's just not smart. Honestly, clip this. Uh, your fiance is so lucky. <laughs> girl, let him know right away. Girl massive even away into wedding savings. I love it. All right, let's go ahead and welcome in our guest for the day. We've got Maria Cardenas joining us. She's a marketing manager over at Swerks. And Maria, before we get you in and actually start talking about kind of your journey and how marketing has been kind of turned on its head at Swerks, I want to get your take on this. What is your favorite justification or your favorite example of girl math that you use? Can we can you hear us? Let's check check your mic for us really fast. Are you there? You got it? I don't know, Grace. I can't. Can you hear her? I can't hear her. Okay, that's fine. We'll try and get it fixed here in just a second. But happens, technical issues with us here on live TV, right? There was one more point that I want to make, Grace, going back to this girl math, because girl math is key in fighting something that is known as the pink tax with us as well. It's no secret that women typically pay more for goods that are same in both form and function as men's things. They just might be a different color. But, you know, this is where you also become a savvy shopper is girl mathing your way out of that pink tax. Spend your money on the things that are marketed towards men. They might work the exact same. 
Oh, a thousand percent. You made a note of this one, but I actually do live by this. I will never buy a female racer. I will buy a men's racer every single day. And it's, uh, first off, just so much quality is so much better. Like you could, I think was it Procter and Gamble. I can't remember who is making the racers that I'm using, but the joke's on you. Like it's, we figured it out over here. It's the men's razors that are the best. They last longer. They usually are, uh, I, I honestly think sharper. I think, uh, the you know, blade wise, better quality. So a thousand percent, I think there's so many different things out there. Uh, let alone what the pink tax goes into, the things that women have to buy in order to and I guess, uh, survive in some type of way. Uh, but uh, it's it, it's incredible. I think there's a lot of those type of purchases that men don't uh, consider or realize. And hopefully marketing teams kind of learn from that too and product quality teams as well. Absolutely. Marketing towards your women, they're a massive market part, as we mentioned. All right, Maria's back. We got her. So, Maria, glad that you're back with us. Did you now? Yes, we've got you now. Uh, all right, perfect. Finally. Uh, well, um, sorry, do you hear me? I lost you again. Yeah, you're good. We hear you. All right, perfect. And you repeat the question because I think I lost you for a second. You're fine. So I, w- I was asking kind of what your thoughts on girl math are. If there's any things that you use in your life where you found this and you said, yeah, you know what? That makes sense to me. Well, I think about everything. I did girl math way well. I saw your post this morning. And I was like, uh, normally when I point for to selfie, it's like, I work for this. I deserve this. Uh, sometimes I have like a light on me and I'm like, I need to really think about this purchase. And I find my way out of it, you know. Uh, and I love when you were uh, mentioned about food shops. Like, I go there all the time. I think it brings, like, this vintage style. And I love this new trend of, like, the 90s going back. So what I like to do is to purchase things I've already been used before. So I kind of save money on that, but still looking fashionable. What a great point. Like, I grew up at the other day is almost like women convincing themselves they even deserve a purchase. And then, you know what? If we made the money, we earned the money, and we could just spend it how we want. So thank you, Ray, for bringing that up. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about your time, right, in, in marketing and it's, it's work so far. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey into this industry and, and what you've learned so far? Well, um, I came from about different industries. I've worked with B2B, B2C, NGOs, uh, companies that work in, like, in education. It was my first time to work like in, within this industry. And it was at a really cool ride uh, when I was sitting out with Jorge, that was our CEO. Uh, we started exploring what are the proper channels, you know, because we know like kind of our bio persona, our ICP, like ideal customer profile. But we needed to find out what are the right channels, you know, to reach our potential customers to uh, share with now our message, our mission. And it's really interesting how this industry, it's still a lot on the outbound, uh, outbound strategy and marketing, like offline channels. Uh, I love what Freightways, for example, is doing digital, and a lot of companies are also jumping in digital. However, there's still like a strong point in the offline, um, for example, events. Uh, it's something that I'd be like realizing even more that is super relevant. And even in business, we already know it's super important uh, the relations you build with people, right? Like this, the relationship you build with companies. Um, and need those events and golf events, golf outings, and, or even go to Freightways and we met in Cleveland. Uh, are great spots uh, for us to spread more about the message. 
But of course, you can bring out all the other things from marketing, like implementing maybe like a giveaway to post a social media, and leverage from those uh, outbound, like offline strategies. So it's interesting when you talk about the difference between marketing and sales, because sometimes there is kind of this big disparity that people think that sales operates on their own side of things and marketing operates on their other side of things. But really, there's a nice intricacy and a nice tie together between sales and marketing. How do you guys at Swerks kind of make that to work together hand in hand and use your marketing to enhance your sales team, your sales to enhance your marketing? I love how you put it like that because I think it's like a yin and yang relationship. Even some people call it like a marriage, you know. Uh, and sometimes when you have a marriage, you need consultancy, you know, and you know that that counselor that's going to help you out in that relationship. So what we try to do is always having someone who knows from marketing and knows from sales, so like for example, from the growth team that can help us see what's the good thing about marketing. How can we bring value for marketing and how we can connect it in sales? And that's where most like successful uh, strategies come by, you know, uh, value in marketing is something that it's been like kind of a struggle indeed through what I've seen. I've been communicating also having conversations from people in marketing. It's like have uh, one single person marketing team, which is why they told me that I was like, it's shot. Like, how do you manage to do the copy? How do you manage to do the design? Do the emotions? Everything I posted on social media, even. Uh, so I think uh, from marketing side, uh, it's more about like visibility and awareness, you know, when you have a sales team, uh, you have like five BDRs that are making calls, but there is some uh, kind of limit to the BDRs the number of calls and emails that like they, they can do, right? And sometimes people don't want to sell and be sell anymore, you know, they receive a lot of emails, a lot of calls. So how do we get the to be different, you know, how can we make the clients or the prospects to pick up the phone to start a conversation with us? That's where the magic of marketing comes by. It's bring the visibility, I'll bring it awareness of the brand. And also it's like, there are a lot of options in the sea, but how do you differentiate yourself? How do you make the people resonate with your mission? And that's where marketing comes from. Uh, comes from uh, believing in connecting with people, doing the psychology of the customer, uh, making them want your service instead of you going and knocking doors to provide the service that they clearly need. I I, I love, uh, in particular, you touched on the fact that, like, how big your team is and, and being able to accomplish what Kaylee just pointed out, right? That relationship between the two. And it's so funny because, and I will say, and I've said this on the show multiple times, that I was one of those people, one of those sales uh, bros that just did not understand where marketing was going to really help sales. And now look at me, like, building content and doing the exact opposite of everything I, I spoke of the past. <laughs> So I've, I've flipped completely, but it's interesting because a lot of uh, companies in our space, especially more brokerage logistics side, they are like one or two man or woman departments, right? They're not that big where you see a sales team of like hundreds of people, right? Uh, but you, I want to bring up uh, an interesting post if we can that you put on social media the other day uh, that dove into really you building this strong team. Uh, and you mentioned a couple of really big key factors within that too on how you actually yeah. grew that up. Can you tell us a little bit about what that transformation was like to get uh, your marketing team to where it is today? Sure. So uh, everything comes back to people, you know. Uh, you can have a great strategy, but you don't have the people that can implement it. It's not going to work. So the first thing that we do right now is we educate ourselves. We don't know everything, you know, like, so we have to prepare ourselves. And the way that I do it with the team is 
first by example. So they clearly know that I'm constantly reading new books, that I'm constantly checking out a new course, and everything that I'm doing, like a new uh, educational program, I make sure to share that with them. And they feel motivated because they feel like that's actually giving them results. So also another thing that I could do is provide them time. So I already said to them, the one-on-one sessions that we have is like, make sure to block your time. Uh, for example, it's Friday, 10 a.m. to 12, and you're going to be doing something from like subject to your education, you know, to improve on soft skills that you want to be improving or to challenge yourself in something else or get to know a new AI tool. Like even they have time to search for AI that can help them do their work and to optimize the time. Uh, and also, it's about providing text that, you know, uh, we use HubSpot, we're service providers from HubSpot. So they have a HubSpot Academy. They are completing all the certifications. We also provide that like Skillshare. I don't know if you know that when it's like Coursera, where they can learn new skills. So we have this platform available for them for us to report on the growth that they can have. Uh, and it's not only about the hard skills that they can develop, like how to do email marketing. Is how they can develop their soft skills, how they can communicate better, how they can understand like, the psychology behind marketing. Because at the end, ma- marketing is about handling people. If you're good with people, you're good with marketing. Absolutely. So that post that Grace is referencing, I think, is brilliant because you have like four key highlights. But I want to hit on the three C's that you post in there. You've got curiosity, you've got creativity, and you've got communication. Those three pillars are absolutely necessary in building out a great team but they also translate really well into capturing an audience. And as you mentioned, if you understand people, you understand marketing pretty well, right? That's everybody. That's all that everybody wants is people want to know that you're curious about them. They'll in turn be curious about you. They want to know that you're creative, whether that's solutions or your offerings or the ways that you can tackle their problems. And they want you to communicate well with them, right? If you send out one email, you get a response and you never hear back, you're likely have just lost a customer because they lose that communication aspect. Sometimes it can be easier to work on one piece of those than all three of them at the same time. But do you think that there is a way to really get all three in your marketing strategy, both being all curious, communicative, and also creative? Well, I think that it's just like, I love that you mentioned about these uh, like values because those are our S-Words values. And everything that we do is related to that creativity of being like, uh, how to think out of the box and how to connect really with people and how we do is being authentic, being our true selves. And when you have that kind of DNA, everything that you do, if it's to sit up on the desk and actually do the work to speaking to a customer and connecting with them, it all goes back to the values. And that's what I wanted to portray in, in that post uh, as a fact is that it's not only about how one of them can be better than the other one, it's how the mixture be- makes us who we are, what makes us S-Works team, and how we can put those values in every single thing that we do. And that's been working super good with us because people are truly connecting us, which is say, if you're not creative, uh, people are not going to pay attention at the end. If you are not authentic, people are just going to believe that you're like everyone else. I I want to talk about your career and what you've built because, I mean, first off, so well-spoken in, in regards to, I mean, just really incredible ways to look at marketing and in, in, in its guidance, I think, right? Um, so kudos to you because I, I, when we met, we're t- I was making fun of the fact that uh, you got, you're just, for your age, you're just so, uh, so good at what you do already that I was really excited to watch you grow and see what you and your team, yeah, no, it was uh really great meeting you in person and again can't wait till next straight ways of that so we can do that again but uh, the best part about 
<laughs> about this show is that we like to focus on that uh, a woman's experience right in the workplace. And I'm interested from your perspective, working in nearshore, working in an industry that's already so male dominated. Are there any obstacles that you feel like you've had to overcome? And, and what strategies have yeah. you have you really put to motion to to get over those hurdles too? Yeah, I, I love your question. And we've talked about it. It's that really male-dominated industry, but that is even the reality of the driven industry. So as I mentioned, I worked in other industries. I even worked in the Colombian Congress when I was doing the internship with what you truly felt this. And one of the things that happened the most to women is that it's easy to get them to talk, but maybe it's hard to keep the attention on the services and what you're trying to sell. So you have to manage the conversation in a way that you can keep them see like stay on attention all the services that you're trying to provide. And also we are underestimating, you know, we have to show constantly, even as being young and also being a woman, it's hard for, uh, for me, in my case, I don't know if someone else who's listening uh, may feel the same way to uh, validate that capability that we have and the abilities that we've developed with time, uh, like the, we are smart and we, are, we know what we're talking about. Uh, but that can happen a lot of times when, for example, in my case, I'm talking about marketing. It's someone who maybe have never worked in marketing wants to teach me how to do marketing. Uh, and that's like mansplaining, you know, and that's super, super common. And we, we need to uh, find a way to how we can communicate better and take the whole conversation to a professional, you know. Uh, it's something that we always like to struggle with, uh, but hopefully with the members of my team, I've been trying to uh, push down their boundaries and show them that if you know what you're talking about, you'll just, bro, that's just how it is. So one of our last questions to wrap it up here for you, Maria, when you're talking about S-Works and the goals that you guys have, you, of course, mentioned those kind of pillars in the character and those, I guess, established kind of standards that you guys have. One of the other things that y'all work really hard on is exploring and expanding that gender and also racial and ethnic diversity through your staffing efforts. Can you touch on that a little bit and kind of expand on how this reshoring or reshoring operations, outsourcing some of your work really helps to add to that both racial and gender diversity in the workspace? I love that you mentioned this. Like this is the thing that gets me more excited to talk about how we can get women represented more in the industry and that's what we ask for to do we have uh i don't know exactly the percentage but it's kind of like 70 to 80 percent of our leadership team are women and when we're doing the whole like the interview process we don't see genders we don't see ethnicity we just see the value of people and especially the soft skills that they have do they talk properly do they want to improve all the time do they want to learn and what Women were really great at that, you know, and great on soft skills. Uh, and I think part of our mission, and we truly believe in that, is that we should be hiring more to make it a more inclusive space. So as being a nearshore and staffing firm, we have the ability to actually make the change when we are recruited. You can see that the more and more women coming into the picture. And as we do it in practice, because there's no better way to do this is by example, uh, as we're admin team is mostly about women. We also try to put that in the whole recruitment process and to get a uh, women in front of this industry too. Uh, but still, it's about equality, right? If you have two potential candidates, uh, they both shine. Uh, they, they, you need to pick them still because of the abilities they have, not mixing gender. So I just don't want to make it clear that we are just given the space, but not looking 
literally what is your gender, what is your ethnicity, is about your skills. And somehow women <laughs> show that they have truly the skills that we're looking for. Well, and I, I really truly think that's probably an outcome of that leadership that you have. And and uh, a woman, we always say, right, it's not about how to recruit women, it's how to retain women and watch them watch them come to your door just naturally, right? Uh, Brad, tell us where, of course, the audience can go learn more about S-Works and the work that you're doing as, work, as well. Uh, well, you can find more information at sworksgroup.com. It's our website. Also on our LinkedIn page is S-Works. Uh, and yeah, that's where you can find all the information. Uh, and I'll look forward to receiving all of your messages. Maria, thank you so much for joining us. And hopefully, you know what? You can find her at F3, that future free festival that will be coming our way in just about two and a half months. Grace, I'm excited to see you there. I'm also excited to see Maria as well. Some of our other favorite leading ladies in the freight space. Where can people find you between now and then in the meantime? Uh, <laughs> Google, I mean, I guess, uh, no, everywhere. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on, of course, this show and Point of Sale, which is on tomorrow and Wednesdays at two o'clock. Uh, you can find me every day on the Road Dog Truckie channel, Monday through Friday on Sirius XM um, from 5 to 7 p.m. And uh, go follow me on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter. You'll find my link tree that goes to all of my work and articles as well. So uh, yeah, let us know. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page too and leave comments so we know uh, exactly the content that you guys are looking to see as well. And if not there, you can find her at a Beyonce concert. And that's it for Great Quarter Gals today. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. One, two, three.